0: hey there welcome to twins talk clear-cut communication yes we are twins and yes we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle
1: the topic of communication in a podcast but we're going to do it anyway and hopefully
0: you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable Hey, we're coming to you from Nothing Could Be Fina, North Carolina. And Ray, we've been working on the Thomas Kilman model and we created that mnemonic, CCCAA, which was competition, collaboration, compromise, avoidance, and accommodation. And just to play with the listener's mind, we're not gonna follow it. We did competition first and then we did collaboration, So we're going to break from the seas, and we're going to go to avoidance. And uh, why don't you kick us off with that? Yeah, we're going to save compromise to the very end, because it's going to get some special attention. So it's not deliberate deliberate on our part that we're breaking up the mnemonic. It's just that we think compromise ought to be put at the end. We're not really messing with the list. uh, Well, yes and no. We are doing this deliberately. (laughs) So
1: we are doing it deliberately. Anyway, on to avoidance as a strategy for uh, addressing conflict. It's a strategy that I equate with gone with the wind. Hmm. I'll think about it tomorrow. Charlotte's famous line when she was under stress was, I'll just think about it tomorrow. And uh, that's kind of the avoidance characteristic. Hmm. I move away from the conflict, kind of detach myself from it as long as I can. And it serves. It does in fact serve a purpose. There's a, there's a usefulness for it. It is the scenario called the... I don't win, I don't lose strategy temporarily. Hmm. If it goes on for very long, eventually someone's going to feel at at a loss. Mm -hmm. But avoidance is the style or the technique of disengaging, of backing away from the conflict and the individual involved in conflict or the issue involved in conflict and
0: giving it some room. And you and I have talked about this before. In your mind, you're doing that, avoiding in a way to stay in the relationship you don't see avoidance as ultimately severing the relationship that avoidance doesn't end in severance for you. It's almost as if avoidance is designed to say, the only way I can stay in this relationship, the only way I can really not continue to feel pressured by the conflict is to engage in avoidance or withdrawal. Maybe speak to that a moment.
1: Right. Well, it, it's the kind of thing where I, I disengage around the issue, but I don't disengage from the person. Mm. I try to keep some distance uh, from the issue because it creates so much tension or so much concern that it begins to contaminate the relationship in a way that I just don't want it to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in terms of the context, because we've given each of these strategies a context what you're best used use. For the avoidance strategy, the context is generally could be considered a situation which could be self-correcting ah. or, or symptomatic, which is to say it's a symptom of something It's not the real issue. So to get in there and spend a lot of energy and effort in addressing it, uh, you're not touching the real issue. Got any examples of that? Well, I think there's sometimes that people would talk about a, a conflict over a, um, a disagreement, say at a dinner table, over something someone said. Well that's probably not the real issue. The real issue is a longstanding or a potentially more complicated relational issue, not whatever took place just now, not not whatever's happening right this moment. And if the context is going to be if if, if the situation is going to be self-correcting, if I give it a little bit of time, maybe even a week or a month, it will self-correct. It does it won't need additional attention. Then to step in and give it a lot of effort, give it a lot of attention. Could
0: cause it to be, become greater, so I might avoid it given those situational factors. Well, I remember an example you gave me, and maybe you could speak to this in an organizational setting. You were interested in firing someone as the vice president for HR. Well, and no, they... I don't. I don't. I think it be might be a misnomer to say I was interested
1: in firing someone. I think the truth was firing needed to take place, okay.
0: but you're always ready to fire someone. Well. Yeah, maybe, but I, that sounded some like it was, I was enjoying the process. <laughs> okay, so someone needed to be fired, and they had a month left before they were going to retire. And your, your push was, no, they're, for whatever reasons, toxic, et cetera, et cetera. We need to let them go now. And so maybe you could tell that story, but as an example, because I think this was a good example of saying something that's going to self-correct. That was going to self-correct in a month. Okay, go ahead.
1: Vice President of Hurdle Manufacturing, uh, we had a a worker who'd been with the organization a long time. He'd moved with them from New Jersey. And I found his performance in the team setting totally uh, counterproductive. He was really an obstacle, not an advantage. And his work had come to a place where he was, one, very unproductive and he was causing others to be unproductive. So my inclination was to say, well, you, you,
0: you, we can't afford to keep him. We can't afford uh-huh. to keep having him produce in that fashion. You're always a reasonable person, Ray. I didn't mean to imply that you're out on the warpath. So, <laughs> At any
1: rate. any rate. Uh, one of the things I found out was that he had intended and uh, was in, intending to head back to New Jersey with his family mm. within a month. And uh, he'd already made a commitment. He'd sold his uh, home here and had made all the gestures toward moving back. So uh, the president of the organization, my good friend James, wondered with me if it was necessary to separate him at this point, given the fact that he wasn't going to be with us very long. Well, my natural instinct was not to let him get away with this. (laughs) But Jim's knowledge, understanding was very, very useful because he was saying, essentially, why would you put the organization at risk? Because if you go ahead and try to fire him, there will be a lawsuit, there will be a counter. And while we're not likely to lose it, we are likely to have to go to some expense to solve it. So at that point, I realized that my interest in addressing this was entirely a kind of a personal issue rather than saying, wait, the best spot here is just kind of back out of this, let him finish his time with us, let him go on and go his way, and we'll get back to business. And while that's not natural for me to do that, it clearly was a better approach than what I had intended to do, which
0: was going to cause some real heartburn for the individual and for the organization. And so in terms of reflecting the contact, that's to me a great example of something that is going to self-correct. And in a way, it also adds to that notion of this is a temporary issue because in the long run, this is not going to continue. Now, I think it is important to state For me, at least, it would be important to state. However, if you are involved in these kinds of conflicts where you've got an employee or you've got someone who's toxic to the organization, avoiding that and it's not going to self-correct, this is not the right strategy. You need to pick a different conflict management strategy if this is not going to self-correct in some reasonable period of time. Would that be?
1: Yeah, and I would say antidotally that uh, this is a preferred strategy. On most people's part, they will tend to avoid the situation as long as possible. And there's a lot of different ways they avoid it. Sometimes they don't talk about it. Other times, they literally move themselves from the situation so they're not even visible in that setting and just stay as far away from them as they can. Now, I agree with you. I, I think it's very important to understand that if it's not self-correcting and time is not going to solve this, then for you to let it go...
0: Uh, is not It's not likely to get better. It's likely to get much worse. And, you know, in a couple episodes in the future, we were going to give some case studies or some examples and talk through them. And there's a school social worker that I'm familiar with that actually gave us this very problem that she's in conflict with a colleague in her system. And she has done everything she can to confront it, that she's arguing, and seems to be of no avail. And she's actually getting pushback by school administrators and by other people to avoid it, to choose this strategy, to engage in, you know, just let this one go. We need to be understanding of this other person and then not continue to push against the conflict. So we know and what we're saying up front is, no, that's not the best strategy if for this individual, you look at the situation and say, this is not going to self-correct. This is not going to change. And it's not going away anytime in the near future. So I've got to do something else. And that's what we're probably going to have to speak to in that example. So what are your alternatives? What can you do besides using avoidance as your choice in terms of managing the conflict? So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there and say, yeah, there are lots of folks, as you said, that are constantly confronted with kinds of situations that you think I'm just not going to get involved in this. I'm going to have to back away.
1: And some of the things you're looking at when you're looking at using avoidance uh, is that if the issues involved are of low importance, that would be a sign to you to, to go ahead and avoid it. It's not of importance to me. So spend too much energy and time on it is a fruitless kind of activity, fruitless effort. Another thing is you might want to use avoidance to allow tensions to subside. You might want to allow use avoidance. You're backing away, but that's very temporary just to keep it from overheating, Hmm. just to keep the situation from becoming volatile in a way that would take a skill level that's almost impossible to reach in order to get that thing resolved. So, So that's another element of the context of avoidance
0: is I might Use avoidance as a way to let things calm down, cool down. So avoidance would be a part of a multiple strategic approach that I'm going to use multiple strategies in dealing with conflict. But at a certain moment in time, I'm going to use avoidance at this particular moment in order to let things cool down or in order to let things move up a bit beyond before we take it up again and use a different choice.
1: Yeah. And I'm, and I'm actually implementing it as a temporary strategy, mm-hmm. not as an effort to bring final resolution. hmm Another element of the context in which avoidance could work, could be useful, is when you have limited power,
0: Hmm.
1: when your Mm -hmm. influence on the situation has some pretty strong boundaries and the other person you're in conflict with is the major player in the situation, then I might want to avoid just to keep from forcing the other person's hand and pushing them into a corner where they're going to come back out using their position, their positional power to close out the situation as quickly as they can. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's part of that context I have to consider. How much influence do I have in this situation? I'm in a work setting. I might use avoidance when I'm of such low power that I don't want to test my influence. I don't want to
0: exert my influence and take the risk of losing it entirely. And one of the things that you're triggering in me as we just are walking through this is that avoidance is clearly a low low energy strategy. It's It doesn't require a lot of energy on our part. So therefore, it's an appealing one because we don't have to exert a lot of energy. And you've given several context examples in which you may not want to engage in any other strategy because it's not worth the energy. And so I think one of the things, again, that we go back to is whenever you're thinking about your choices, you do have to take into account how much energy you want to expend and oh. whether it's and whether it's worth it. And so avoidance is one of those that says, this just isn't worth it. It's not worth the energy. I don't have the power. In fact, the picture that comes to my mind is Don Quixote fighting windmill. If you're a person who's constantly going in there fighting things, you don't have the power to change. You don't have the power to control. You're fighting things that are going to go away. You're more like Don Quixote, constantly engaged in this fighting of windmills that has no really productive outcome. So that's one of the things you have to take into account when you think about how much do I invest in terms of my personal energy?
1: Sure. Go ahead. Jump in. And again, I would offer the warning for those who find this the most natural approach. There are a whole lot of conflicts, a great number of conflicts you cannot possibly manage, resolve, Mm -hmm. assist by avoiding. Mm -hmm. So while it feels temporarily comfortable or you feel like you can keep dancing away from it. Eventually, that, that number is going to get called. You're going to, you're going to have to step up, step in. Okay, uh, the skills you need. We've been talking about skills, what kind of skills you need. It's limited, the skills here, but they are important to note. Uh, one is you have to be able to withdraw without disconnecting. You have to be able to back off, but not in such a way that the person thinks you're ending the relationship, hmm. or You're cutting them off. You want to be able to step back without putting the relationship at stake. Uh, another skill is you need you need to be able to dance a little. You need to be able to sidestep verbally. Uh, I think like 60 minutes appeared at your door. You need to be able to verbally sidestep just a little bit. And I think someone's going to avoid, you've got to be able to dance a little. Because they are going to say, well, why, aren't you, why aren't you responding? Why aren't you doing this? Why, why aren't you getting more involved here? Well, you've got to be able to sidestep that. You've got to be able to... And again, I'm not encouraging you to be dishonest. I'm just saying you've got to be able to dance around that a little bit so that doesn't become the issue. That, that, that y- your behavior becomes the issue. That's not the issue. So is this the like the, something taking place here that's too hot to handle? So is uh, like the ropadope? Yeah, the, uh, there it
0: is. There it is. Like a butterfly, you're just yeah, got of like a butterfly in. But you're uh, doing the rope-a-dope. You've got to be able to dance a little now. Communication wise. Any thoughts on what that exactly looks like? I mean, I, as you're saying that, it's appealing to me. It makes me think, okay, is that a skill that I would have in terms of avoiding so I'm not communicating to the other person, this is over, this is, your toast, this, we're done. I'm communicating, I'm hanging in there with you, but I'm not going to engage at this moment in time. What- well, some of it to me, when I remember
1: using it, some of it to me involves providing a possibility for timing out in the future. Hmm. Well, I just need a little while to think a little bit more about this. It isn't clear to me yet what might be best for me or you to do in this situation. Could you give me a little bit of, and then stay time another week or so. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of giving myself some cushion and trying to help have them uh, be willing to do that with me to understand. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to suspend this forever. I'm not going to withdraw from this indefinitely, but I'd like to be able to back
0: out of this temporarily. So phrases like, let me think about this a little. Let me get back back to you on this. Well, let's end it here and make sure that we take it up again in a week or two so we can talk about it more fully. Those kinds of phrases are in that dance step routine. That's the ability to be able to say, okay, I am going to avoid it or temporarily suspend this conflict conversation, but I am promising or indicating that I'm going to take it up sometime in the future or I need to think about it. Those would be the kinds of dance steps. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And then one last thing I'd say is a skill that you might want to consider think about is that you need to be able to leave things temporarily unresolved. That would be the most difficult for me. I I, I find it difficult because it -hmm. it burns up energy for me to think of things as being left undone. And for any of us who, who want things closed, want things stopped or finished, so we move on. This does represent a little bit of a problem because leaving things open and unresolved means I got to come back to them. And that, that leaves some uneasiness about that being unresolved and left open. So you just have to have the
0: ability to leave it unresolved for a while. And to me, that's a great observation because so often in almost anything we do, we'd like to get closure as quickly as possible. And so, you're saying one of the skills that you need if you're going to use this strategy is to be willing to leave that open, it's not to try to close that prematurely in a negative space or a negative place and say, okay, I'm just going to have to live with that. And we're going to leave that open a bit. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, what happens if you overuse it? Mm-hmm. And then for those of you who do tend to overuse it, I want you to hear
1: these possibilities. One is people will begin to experience a lack of input from you, you'll begin to lose your influence. Mm you continue to avoid, you continue to withdraw. You'll have less and less input, and your influence will be reduced, not increased. Hmm. I think also decisions could be uh, made by default when you don't actively engage. When you're when you're backing out, decisions could be made without your input, without your final say. They could be made by default,
0: and that would be particularly true, probably if you if there's more than just two of you involved in this. Oh. If you're working with a yeah. group. There's a good chance that when you withdraw, in the meantime, people are moving forward. Okay. That's right. mm-hmm. And then finally,
1: I think that if you overuse this, you create around you, uh, both uh, individually and uh, even with a group, a very cautious climate. Hmm. People begin to become uncertain of how things are going to get resolved and how soon and in what time frame. So people get a little bit cautious about how to get in and get out of conflict because people are not engaging. People are backing out. People are staying a distance.
0: So those are some of the dilemmas you create in over you. So one of the things I'm hearing is when I think about this as a whole, then we want to use avoidance strategies. We want to use the choice to avoid the conflict or withdraw from the conflict sparingly. That is, this is not a strategy we would use frequently. And as you said, someone, lots of folks, but if someone individually preferred this style as their predominant way of dealing with conflict, we're really saying to them, you need to rethink that. And you need to think about using this particular choice and approach a little more sparingly. It has a big downside to it, has some real potential in terms of what it creates in terms of climate, et cetera. And the upside is really only temporary. It's not a long-term approach. And and let me say, uh, Bob, as you were talking, it came to mind for me
1: that you are at greatest risk when you use this strategy with people of importance to you, Hmm. people in close relationships with you. People who are in distant relationships with you, people who you don't have a lot of emotional commitment to, this is a fairly safe strategy. If not kind or productive, it's fairly safe. Mm -hmm. But if you use a strategy with people who are close to you, people who are important to you, people with whom you make a difference,
0: that is a high risk strategy to
1: use regularly.
0: Well, Ray, we are pushing time. So I think maybe it's a good place to end. Any summary thoughts? Anything you want to put a bow on? Well, just to, to remind people that we've talked about competition, the I intend
1: to win strategy, collaboration, which is I intend for everyone involved to win. This third strategy of avoidance is one in which I don't intend anyone to win for a while. I just intended to die down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one we're headed toward is accommodation. Mm-hmm. And we'll make a distinction that between that and avoidance because they are very, very different.
0: And then we'll finally get to compromise. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod, For the score that both began and ended this podcast.